Good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another Friday morning episode of Maker That Money, the podcast where we talk about turning your hobby into your jobby. I am Pooch of Repcord, and with me this morning, I have Mr. Andrew, King of the Empire of Sticky 3D Gloop. Andrew, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I... Happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 45 laps around the sun is a really uh, an admirable amount of distance, I think. Uh, yeah. An endurance race, right? So yeah. throw that on my resume. Also this morning with us, Miss Emma Fletcher from Learn to Solder Kids and Evergreen Support, a multi-business owner. Oh. So like this is like a twofer, Andrew. We got a two two for one wow. deal today. That's awesome. Yeah, Emma, how are you today? Thank you for joining us. I'm good. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Oh, I am. I listen, guys. I've been hassling. Emma is actually local to me. One of my my few entrepreneurial uh, minded local cohorts of sort. Uh, and I was very lucky to connect with her. And. Uh, and I've been begging her to be on the pod for a while now. And so we finally made it happen. She admits she's not a morning person. So she got up and had to. I'm pound not some coffee a morning person, but I'm here and I'm excited. You're here and we are nice. so lucky to have you. Why don't you give everybody a sense of who you are, what your companies are? Give us the elevator pitch, two elevator pitches. Ready? Two elevator pitches. Go. Okay, sure. Uh, I'll start with Learn to Solder Kits. That's kind of my maker oriented business. I also call it my OG business because it's the one I started seven years ago. Um, oh, and wow. we make uh, DIY electronics kits. They teach soldering, exactly like the name. Learn to solder each kit. We have three kits that we sell. Very simple, 30-minute projects designed for people who've never picked up a soldering iron before and want to get started. And I'm not just saying this because Emma has sent me these things. They are awesome they're cute they're they're Thank just you. well designed well packaged the the instructions are so good i'm in because like our instructions are always something that just drives me crazy but <laughs> she did a really good job with that so that's ltsk that's awesome yeah that's ltsk and so i started that seven years ago side hustle like i was working full-time as side a hustler engineer, kind of a passion project right side hustle and I think I really got serious about it in 2019. That's when I was like, well, this I've been doing this for a long time and it's got some traction. Like, can we make it like more legit, right? Let's make so, some money with oh, this. Cool. Let's turn money, our hobby yeah. into our jobby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I did that. And one of the challenges I ran into running Learn to Solder Kits was I didn't have anybody to do customer support. And that was particularly hard working full time. I was nine to five, support requests would come in, nobody would email back and it was a thing. Mm. Uh, so I wanted kind of a part-time, mm -hmm. super part-time support person to check in on the inbox and couldn't find anybody to do it. And eventually I decided to start my second company called Evergreen Support, which is designed to do exactly that. Um, for solo founders or really small teams, they've got some level of support needs, but it's not quite enough to really bring someone on full time. I work with a partner, mm -hmm. Ellis, and we basically babysit your inbox, right? We do responses if we know the question, you know, the answer to the question. We escalate it if uh, we don't know the answer and it needs your attention, you know, immediately but hopefully gives you some peace of mind so you mm -hmm. can focus on building your business. 
So you're like the That's first awesome. line of defense for for companies yeah. on support support land. That's yep. first line. We filter a lot of things. We like gather information. You know that ticket that comes in, it's broken, right? And then they don't give you any <laughs> additional context. We're the yes. people like so sorry can you please give us a little bit more information about the situation so we oh. can look into it right so we're gonna we're gonna pin that for a second because i yes. i do want to pick your brain on some support stuff that i had uh, uh yeah. some decent chat going on twitter on earlier this week uh but today's topic is actually about setting reasonable goals so that you can achieve sustainable growth now the term serial entrepreneur obviously is thrown around loosely for a lot of people, but you are literally like a serial entrepreneur. And I love that your businesses are born of your own necessity. We've all done that. We feel that, right? Well, I can't find yeah. anybody that can meet my needs, so I'm going to just do it myself, right? Um, yeah. And and just think of the amazing you know, companies that have come about as a result of of that exact notion. And what's funny is oftentimes what you ended up starting to do is not what you ultimately may end to do, you know, end up doing years later when you kind of are, are stringing together all these different little verticals and segments for you that, mm -hmm. that you have no idea what's going to hit and what's not. And, you know, maybe you're going to continue to manage all of them. Maybe evergreen will take off. Maybe learn to solder will take off more. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe you're <laughs> going to start another company that you haven't even thought of yet. Uh, yeah, but I, I've got a lot of ideas too. I think maybe that maker mindset, right? It's like, oh, constantly yes, have new ideas coming in. And I'm like, oh, that'd be a really good business for someone to run. It's Should a I do blessing. that? I'm like, wait, I don't have any time. <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse, right? I mean, we've, yeah. we've had lunch together a couple of times and like, before we know it, it's like three hours gone by. I'm like, oh, what if we did this? Oh, what if we did that? Oh, you know, it's like, it's <laughs> yeah. so easy to just spiral yeah. into like, oh, that's a really good idea. And yeah. now you're just trying to decide. It, it's unfortunate because it, like, I wish that you didn't have to like pick and choose if there was a better way to, you know, have all these irons in the fire and it, it could be sustainable mm -hmm. and maybe it can be. Maybe that's what we need to discuss a little bit more today because as makers, as entrepreneurs, we always 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 i'm not gonna i guess i can't mm -hmm. speak for everybody but it's like probably tend to bite off more than we can chew yeah is that fair oh yes yeah oh, yeah. Uh, yeah and <laughs> and so the focus is constantly under threat right like yeah if you have you want you know to grow a lot of times like the common wisdom seems to be like that laser focus and do one thing and do it well and you hear a lot of different mantras around that but then you know, the conservative nature of us is like, we want to diversify. We want to make sure we don't have all our eggs in but one basket. And so how do you reconcile those two notions? So we'll get into a little bit of that. Um, yeah. Okay. Before we do that, though, a little housekeeping. First call to actions. Uh, Mike, our resident CTA expert, uh, like and smash and do all the subscribe, bring a friend, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, if you're listening back after the fact, we do record just about every Friday, 9 a.m. on the YouTubes. Great ways to interact with us on the chat. If you want to feed us questions, comments, we love it. Love it. Andrew really loves it. Tell him you love it, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, and and then uh, you can find us on all the major podcasting platforms as well uh, after the fact uh, if you're an audio only person you want to listen to this while you're doing something else because you're a busy person like we are 
this is a podcast so first, and, first and foremost <laughs> too so uh there's there's all that also what we have to take care of is our wins for the week we always like to be positive we like to focus mm-hmm. on the good energy block out the bad harness the good energy block the bad so wins for the week Emma, I'm going to put you on the spot first. We're going to focus. You need to think of something good that has happened to you this week. Could be your personal life. Could be your business life. What is it? There's been a lot of wins this week, but I think I'm going to pick one that I'm particularly proud of. Uh, We had a purchase order come in from a community college for Learn to Solder Kits, which isn't particularly unique. We get a couple, you know, a month, I would say. Um, But I feel like, I handled it really smoothly with me and my team. I have two employees who help me with Learn to Solder Kits. And I've been trying to make it less of a one-off kind of situation where we don't have a plan and more of a situation where, okay, they want 300 kits. No problem, right? Mm. Here's the paperwork we need to send. Here's how we ship it. And it went really smoothly. And we were able to get it out in about 24 hours. Wow, that's fantastic. I know when we were first chatting, you would you would kind of sweat that big order, right? Because you don't want to overpromise yes. and underdeliver and you know all that stuff. So your your capacity now has grown substantially. I feel like since we first even chatted, that's great. Yeah, definitely. Twenty four hours for three hundred units—that's great. So I'm assuming that means you that's you've awesome. had a little bit of a, a stock reserve you've been able to build up. Yeah, we've been working on making sure we have the right stock ready to go both here and then we also sell on Amazon. So it makes it a little challenging because the stock kind of gets split, right? Sure. So making mm. sure we have our kind of local, you know, in-business stock and the Amazon stock that we need to fulfill any orders. Right, 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 right. Awesome. Well, congrats awesome. on that win. Andrew, <laughs> you're up. Give us oh, a win. Boy. Pick your favorite. I know there's a ton. Okay. Okay. Well, let's just say um, I'll go with the general one. Uh, February for Gloop has been record setting in every way uh last you know a couple weeks ago i shared that we broke our our highest revenue you know in a single day uh record this uh this month we've already we've we've blown past um our revenue goals for the month every month we have you know general revenue goals um this has been our highest grossing grossing revenue uh in the entire company um in fact we've done more revenue this month than we've done in like five or six months prior <laughs> that that's awesome. so congratulations stick growth. that's yes. great now you just got to keep your foot on the gas right <laughs> yep <laughs> that's really yep. really awesome to hear andrew i'm glad to hear that and i you know i've always said it you, you've got such a great unique product you're well known and respected in the community um you know you, you really are a great case study in in how to build and honestly i i feel like do in in a sustainable way you bootstrapped uh emma mm-hmm. you're you're bootstrapped as well right you're not venture funded yeah. or any uh bootstrapped yeah. i actually nice. used to work for for vc startups like silicon valley startups as a software oh wow so i've seen the dark side about that experience yeah. but my businesses are bootstrapped well, good. Okay, so that'll dovetail in nicely with the theme, I think, uh, today. So w- what we want to talk about is setting reasonable goals for sustainable growth. So that's kind of like a lot of buzzwords, maybe not buzzwords, but whatever. My first question to you, Emma, is 
what do you think about what does that mean to you? What is reasonable? Go- what is a reasonable goal? And what is sustainable growth? How do you define those things first and foremost? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> that's a big question. You're, you're allowed to pass um, to Andrew if you would like. You get one pass. <laughs> one pass. Okay. Um, I mean, for me, one of the really important things about starting my businesses and now running my businesses full time is that I am. I would say happier and healthier than I was kind of on the corporate wheel, right? Because I was getting pretty burnt out doing what I was Mm. doing before. Um, And so thinking about sustainability and not just revenue goals is hugely important. I mean, obviously you need Mm -hmm. money, money, you got to pay your bills and there's stress that comes with not having enough money. Uh, But also recognizing like we're getting there, we're growing steadily each month that's a win. That's okay. Right. Let's celebrate mm-hmm. that and we'll get there eventually. You know? Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Andrew, what, what does reasonable goals for sustainable growth mean to you? Um, you know, I think, I think it's really about level setting. Um, as, as a maker and an entrepreneur, you know, we tend to get really excited about the ideas that we're working on and we can see all of this infinite potential. Mm -hmm. Um, but as a part of that, like, you know, an idea we've talked about this in the past is worth nothing until you can actually start executing on it. And I think also, you know, we, as these maker and entrepreneurs, we gloss over so many of the small details to actually execute on said idea. It's always, Oh, this'll be easy. This'll be quick. Like, you know, one, two, three, and here we go. I'm, I'm off to the races. Um, so I think it's really just about trying to take a step back and level set and, and, and understand that it's always going to take longer than you think. And that's okay. Don't get, don't get caught up in this, this race idea or mentality where you're comparing yourself to other startups or other, you know, um, companies that have been established, because again, you only see what's, you know, on the outside, you become Mm -hmm. an overnight success Mm -hmm. in five years, Right. Yeah. You, you got you got to go through all of those trials and, and keep working at it, I think. And so it's mm-hmm. just about figuring out OK goals to have and mm-hmm. understand that you're going to miss some of those goals. And that's not the end of the world. That's a so, that's a really great point. You know, we hear that phrase, uh, you know, comparison is the thief of joy uh, oftentimes. Mm-hmm. Right. That we mm-hmm. especially in this day and age in the media social media rich environment we are we're in everybody wants to just project success and happiness and rainbows and butterflies and all that good kumbaya Mm -hmm. stuff and uh it it's really a disservice in a large way because it 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 leads us to comparing ourselves to others more whether we want to or not i think that that just kind of Mm -hmm. happens um and it's something i still struggle with uh, it's something that I struggle with, especially on, on birthdays, because you're just confronted with the fact that another year has gone by and you're like, okay, where should I be in my life as a 45 year old at this point? And for some reason I have sure. weird just expectations of like, okay, at this age, I should have this much money in the bank and I should have this level of success and da, 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 da. And, <laughs> but what is that based on that? My, that goal, well, one, I never articulated a specific goal for that. So that's part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And two, it varies so wildly depending on your personality, your your socioeconomic status, where you live, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and so defining the goals, defining what success is looks totally different 
for different mm-hmm. people. And it does you no good to compare yourself to somebody that just didn't have the same uh, upbringing uh, or or start as you mm-hmm. did. I don't know if you guys – do you guys follow Veritasium on, on YouTube? Are you familiar with who Derek oh, yes. is? So Derek is an awesome he individual. He just <laughs> dropped a fantastic video that just like was one of my favorites to watch. And it was uh, it, it was about some of what you know we're talking about here. The the um, you know, comparison, you know, not comparing yourselves to others, sustainable like some su- su- survivorship bias, but mostly like lo- the luck component. And we talk about mm-hmm. luck in business all the time. Like, Oh, luck is the intersection of opportunity. I'm just going to drop all the sayings on everybody. Right. Like, yes, it's where opportunity meets preparation or whatever. But, um, he says in this video and I'll try to th- remember to throw a link back or producer, uh, if you would be so kind as to look up uh, Veritasium's latest video and drop a link for us, that'd be fantastic. Um, the, the argument that he makes is that we really, really discount, how much luck actually plays a factor. If you mm-hmm. distill down to like, even just when you're born, where you're born, all of those things. Um, yep. And that just puts you on a completely different playing field. Like we say we're bootstrapped, but let's be honest. We are lucky enough that we had money that we had worked. We had good paying jobs. We might've inherited some money. We may have had friends that lent us some money or, or something. We did not start, from zero, when we talk mm-hmm. about bootstrapping, it's not like we were born destitute. You know, this is not mm-hmm. a Alexander Hamilton story, sadly. Um, <laughs> so, so we're lucky in the sense that we had a pretty good start to begin with, and and then you know, obviously, recognizing that you come from a place of privilege is big. We're, we're you know, um, mm-hmm. not dealing with any of the. Um, bias that you know people of color sure. might have or other stuff now mm-hmm. we don't need to go too heavy into this emma but like obviously as a female in the space your experience is different um mm-hmm. i don't know if you've gone into that that's a t- it's a bit of a digression if you feel comfortable talking yeah, about what I that mean, feels like i i think it's interesting stuff but yeah i think uh, particularly working as a software engineer. I mean, I worked for a software engineer for almost 10 years, uh, both in big oh, corporations. Wow. I started my career at Intel, uh, which is what brought me to Sacramento, California. And then um, I moved to smaller kind of Bay Area based startup companies. And it was not uncommon for me to be the only woman on the team. I mean, I think mm-hmm. the majority mm-hmm. of my career, I was the only female developer on uh, a team. <laughs> Um, I mean, I was very lucky to have uh, fantastic coworkers, a lot of support, um, but that's also something I looked for when I interviewed for jobs. You know, I would kind of ask them some questions about their diversity and inclusion and what they were doing uh, to work on that to make sure that I selected the the right place. Because unfortunately, kind of we've all heard bad stories and, you know, the mm-hmm. kind of programmer culture that can be out there. Um, and it, it definitely exists. <laughs> I, I, I of course yeah i mean I, nobody i don't think anybody would dispute that it exists but it's it's certainly got to be hard especially as a female in in a tech-centric uh space so um mm-hmm. anyway like i said a bit of a digression but the my point that i want to try to make is that um 
when you're setting your goals and when you're talking about what's sustainable, that's going to be, like I said, very different depending on where you're starting. Um, and so let's continue down that adventure for a second and let's focus in on just like the goal setting component. Let's take it one bit at a time. All right. So think about for both of you guys, when each of you are setting goals for your own business, Mm -hmm. one, do you feel like they're reasonable? Like what are you the kind of person that is just moonshot goals typically and you're just always struggling to reach that or do you feel like you've gotten better at you know taking those incremental step goals and and being realistic good good question so i think i set pretty conservative goals i mean i i've been and i think maybe i've gotten better at hitting them or better at setting them more conservatively because i keep beating them right like i i usually pick like a number and a date, right? Like I want to hit this revenue or I want to hit whatever by this date. So Uh uh like one of my goals that I had was to get to 5,000 in um, monthly revenue for our business uh, Evergreen by September of 2023. And we're 97% of the way there today. That's awesome. (laughs) Which is awesome. I mean, it's great. So you're already crushing your... Okay, so right. you're almost like but too conservative with your goal maybe setting. Maybe too, because now I'm like, maybe I should have picked mm-hmm. a bigger number or a closer date. I mean, it feels great to have that win. Uh, but I think going back to what you were saying about goalposts, one of the challenges that I've had is my goalpost is always moving, right? Particularly mm-hmm. when I was doing Learn to Solder Kits, I remember I was stuck at about 80K in revenue for the year. Um, this was a while ago. And I was like, man, I really want to hit 100K in revenue. Like, mm-hmm. wow, that's just going to be amazing mm-hmm. if I do that. That's so hard. And I've been trying for so long. And I hit it. And like the next day, I was like, okay, I got to get to a quarter million. <laughs> like, let's do this. Right. Instead of like taking the moment to pause. And I had a friend I was kind of talking with. And they're like, you just hit 100K. That's amazing. Like, yeah. go celebrate. Like, what are you doing mm-hmm. thinking about, you know, you can think about that next week. You know, you got to uh-huh. pause for a moment. So so revenue is always one of those ones as an entrepreneur that we like, that's just like that goal. And it's funny because we, the, we, we kind of pick these, um, you know, they're kind of arbitrary, they're arbitrary right? numbers, right? Like we're like, yep. Oh, just that even number, like a hundred thousand. I mean, yep. but I, I think that that's good. And I think, especially when you're getting started, I would argue what you did, Emma is, is better to start more conservative so you can achieve that goal rather than mm-hmm. setting yourself up for being disappointed. Like get the tack up the W's guys. That's why we talk about mm-hmm. the wins. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 you're going to start to learn, like, it's all about gathering the data. Emma and I talk about gathering Mm -hmm. data all the time. And so when you're first getting started, you really don't know what you're capable of, what's reasonable, all this stuff, how quickly something's going to take off. Uh, and, and so once you start to get more data, once you get a couple of years, you see it, see it it through a few seasons of sales, Mm -hmm. you have a much better Mm -hmm. idea. Now you can start to like kind of zero in on what a, a a more reasonable goal is. So Emma, where you are now and knowing what you've hit, you've adjusted your goal. So what's your next target for your MRR? First of all, will you will you define MRR? Because it, it gets thrown out in, in Twitter sure. land mm-hmm. all the time. All You'll the see time. it with the little yeah, bars for the making uh, public So people. MRR stands for monthly recurring revenue. And it's 
very popular, particularly in the software space. We don't see it as much in the physical product maker space because that that's usually like you want a thing and you pay money for the thing and right. it's like a one-time mm-hmm. transaction. Right. But uh, monthly recurring revenue uh, is like any subscription-based business. Uh, think of your Netflix, right? They mm-hmm. have a monthly mm-hmm. recurring revenue. Mm-hmm. So the way that Evergreen support is designed is it's a monthly payment for services that we provide every day for you and your business. Yep. Um, the mm-hmm. nice thing about MRR is it's, kind of predictable i mean yes there will be cancellations you know it, it does happen but you got to know okay i've got this much is what i'm going to make next month and hopefully the month after that and then hopefully it will grow as i get more subscriptions um, so mm-hmm. that's how evergreen is run while learn to solder kits is the traditional we have a kit you pay us money we send you the kit hopefully you come and buy more kits, right? Yeah, so you're doing product-based and a service-based industry. So, you know, yeah. and there's, I'm sure there's, you know, benefits and drawbacks to both, but thank you for that awesome definition. Also of note, uh, there is a large component on Twitter of uh, the software as a service um, community, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. that, that talks and they use a hashtag called make in public, which I love because it's basically yeah. like, a transparency, a lot of, uh, like, I don't know if you've heard the term, um, I know you've heard the term, Emma, but like indie hackers and people out there that mm-hmm. are like kind of solopreneurs that are software-based, releasing stuff, um, uh, a lot of the, you know, AI tools that we see out there now, or mm-hmm. there's there's a ton of different examples of SaaS businesses uh, out there. But um, if you're interested in this, search for hashtag make in public. And you can see some of these solopreneurs, indie hackers, and uh, service-based companies kind of sharing their experience as they go, which is so awesome because it's not a traditional thing. We don't usually see people talking about the money as much. That's kind of a taboo mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. historically. But it's so helpful as somebody that's getting started to like get a sense of where other people are and what you might be able to expect for similar you know, mm-hmm. business models. And so it gives you yeah. some data to go on. Uh, and it's a great community. A lot of supportive individuals. We've got uh, a little bit of crossover in here. I know I saw um, Mark was with us earlier. I don't know if he's still here, but shout out to, was it Judo Hacker? What's his handle? Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's one so, of my earliest friends in the, the indie hacker community. So yeah, that's awesome. That's so, awesome. I know he's big into that uh, stuff and, and he's got some great stuff as yeah. well. I. I agree with everything he said. I love that community. It's I think there's a lot of similarities kind of between the maker community and the the kind of indie hacker software bootstrap community of just being really welcoming to people. Like it's okay if you're just getting started. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. people will encourage you, give you advice and be like, don't worry if you're gonna fail, you know, it happens to all of us. And yeah. Um, that's a really nice environment to to be in when you're starting well, out. That's one of my one of my goals for this show. I really, really want to have somebody on here that will tell a good failure story at some point. Um <laughs> I you know not a lot of people are yeah, there you are. Hey Mark, shout out. We're gonna see you in the chat, man. Um <laughs> Derek was talking about in this in his video too. Like we hear about all the wins, we have a survivorship. Like people that are successful almost have this mentality that it was that the hardworking you know stuff that got them there because they're the survivors, you know. But we don't hear about Mm -hmm. all the people that just didn't make it along (laughs) the way. And there's so much good learning and teaching 
that comes from that. And Andrew, we've talked in the past about, you know, where Mm -hmm. success five years in the overnight success is five years in the making. A lot of those stories, very common threads are like, these aren't our first rodeos. We've had failed businesses Mm -hmm. before, but like a lot of people don't really share that experience as much. Um, I think mm -hmm. Andrew, you've closed a business before. I think you shared that on the podcast. Yep. I've closed three or four businesses, right? So I have mm-hmm. plenty of failures. I started my first yeah. business in 2008, right? That was my first wow. try. Um, yeah. Tell us about that. Tell us about that. Let's go. Let's stay on that for a second, <laughs> okay, so, if you don't um, mind. So, yeah, no, I, I'm happy to talk about it. I think every single one has informed me on where I am now in my business, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, my first business was called Bytes and Bits Computer Solutions. And mm. that was my business. And I did at-home kind of IT work. I mean, this is like 2008, 2009. Oh, I was wow. like the, the classic kid who was like good with computers, you know? Uh-huh. Like, oh, can you fix my printer? You know, that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> um, and I ended up finding a market in uh, people who were a little bit older, kind of an elderly market, had not used computers very much. Their kids were, you know, starting to email picture attachments of their grandkids. And they're like, I'm not sure how to open this picture attachment. Can we print it? Like, how do we do that? Or, you know, (laughs) Skype was just kind of starting. Like, how do I Skype with my grandkids? Um, Great clients. I mean, they gave me all the cookies. Um, I was charging $25 an hour, which I was like, oh my God, I had been making $7 an hour at the movie theater before. At the time it was like big money for you. That's awesome. Oh my God, $25 an hour. I just thought I was set for like the rest of my life. You know, that was I'm going to help octogenarians get online for the rest of my life. Uh, And and that was great. And I think I learned a lot about a service-based business, right? Because it was like a lot of client interaction, mm -hmm. learning about their problems and their goals. And like, how can I help you and kind of teach you to use technology a little bit better? So that was a lot of fun. Um, I did that for a few years until kind of I finished my degree and then went on to, to software engineering. That's that's awesome. So I mean, to be fair, that's not necessarily that it was a failure. It was just like there was a, it was a moment in time, and it worked there. And then you and then you decided so, to move on to fair. something else, right? Well, so, do you want to hear a, a failure? More yeah, of a failure, yeah, yeah. Give more us of a the fail. Okay. Um, so another company I started back in 2014 uh, was called Rocket Department. And there were five of us who started this company. Ooh, and we had ooh. one. Yeah, five, already uh-oh. five partners. <laughs> equal share a lot of equal share partners um and we had won a hackathon so this was back in like 2014 hackathons were really popular Mm, at the time everybody was launching a cool app at a hackathon and making a million dollars i mean you know those are just the kind of headlines but they're Uh very popular so i started competing in hackathons with a group of people yeah and so one of the prizes was, oh, you can incorporate your company and become a business. And we didn't really have like wait, 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 a wait. plan. That was the prize. You can start <laughs> the a business. Prize was incorporation. Like, like, tell me they at least give you some money for that. It wasn't like they, here they give you some paperwork. They like covered lawyer fees and like all that stuff. So it was like okay, all you know okay. the, a gift the or local a curse. lawyer had donated his time and effort, you know, to do the paperwork. Spoiler: You don't need um, a lawyer. But- Anyway, go ahead. (laughs) um, And we had built an automated cereal machine for the hackathon. So it was a cereal machine that had like three kind of 
areas that you put cereal into. It was app controlled and you could mix and match the cereal. This is cereal with a C, not cereal port S cereal. Okay, good. All right. No, no, cereal with the C. Like you eat eat the cereal. So there was a little bowl and we had a light sensor. And when you put the bowl down, it would dispense the cereal. And there was a milk jug that had that had a pump and the you know, milk would come in. And there was a spoon dispenser (laughs) that like shot the spoon, you know, into thing. It was it was really a joke, right? Like we weren't trying to fill the cereal dispenser business, right? Yeah. Um, it was just a fun project. And then we kind of got in this situation where it was like, maybe we should do consulting for businesses who want to build uh, ideas. So we hmm. kind of like explored that. Maybe like we a, should like build our own thing. Huh. There was not a lot of direction, okay. right? And I did that business for five years. Five years. Like, wow. Full time or side hustle thing? Not full time, okay. side hustle, but I mean, was anybody full time of the five? Um, we kind of rotated. Like, sometimes somebody would be full time. I mean, over the course of five years, you know, there was a few people when we'd have a big project. We got some big projects. We did some work for Uber for a while. So that was like a big name. Okay. Um, but wow. consulting was not a gig that I was into. And this is, this was like very traditional, like, they come mm. to you. I want to build this. You draft a proposal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, yeah. Be this much. Yeah. Then there's like scope creep, right? Because they're like, Always oh, I creep. assumed this feature would be included, right? And my thing, and we're like, that's not included. That's extra. And a lot of like contract management kind of stuff, uh-huh. um, which I just personally was not for me. There's a lot of successful freelancers out there who do that kind of work, and that is great for them but I learned that I hated it. Hmm. And I definitely spent too long on that business. Like looking back, what is the lesson I learned there? Probably should have closed that down year two, year three, mm. you know? And it was just, it was kind of that sunk cost, right? Of yeah. Like, I put so much like, oh, into it and I really wanted to make it work, you know? You know, those, those award-winning thing, and Andrew, you could probably speak to this too, but it's like, th- th- that's... Mm-hmm. That's almost a, it's it can be a gift and a curse, right? Where you get uh you're coming off this high from like winning a contest, right? And so you mm-hmm. you kind of think you're just like, okay, we're the bee's knees here. We uh we can yeah. we've got something, but it can end up being like lightning in a bottle of sorts where it's like you don't really know what you're going to do with it, but everybody's telling you you did mm-hmm. such a great job and it's like so you know, you've had some success but maybe not enough success or not enough conversation around what's the goal where are we trying to be some of the stuff that we need to go back into for today's theme here (laughs) so so to finish the story emma like what do you feel like you learned from that and then took into your later endeavors I think closing businesses sooner was definitely a lesson I learned after that. And I've since then closed a few businesses, but I feel like I closed them at the right time, right? I just reached a point where I was like, okay, while my rocket department experience, I just, looking back, I was in it way too long, right? So that Mm -hmm. was a great lesson that like, it's okay to close a business. It is not the end of the world. You know, it's like, it's very hard because you've been telling all these people that you're trying to build this thing. Yeah. And then suddenly you've got to tell them, uh, well, it didn't work. It's over. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. And the first time was really scary. Right. Sure. Like... Mm-hmm. Well, it feels like it's, it feels like a breakup, right? I mean, you're, you've got five mm-hmm. people, four other people here that you're worried you're going to mm-hmm. be disappointing or letting down and all this stuff. It's like, 
I, I would, I don't know. Like I, I go, I keep going back and forth, like having a partner versus going solo is, mm-hmm. you know, th- there's the strengths and the weaknesses, but, but the feeling like there are other people relying on you. And if you're not happy and like, you can just get sucked into complacency in a bad relationship and nobody's being honest with each other. And it leads yep. to a lot of potential wasted time and energy um, yeah. when you maybe you should have just parted ways sooner, right? So how yeah, do you, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously you have the benefit of hindsight now and where you like, <laughs> you can look back and make that, but like, what is it that you guys should have done to realize? Like, what is it that you realized yeah. that, that made you go in hindsight? Think, we should have closed um, down sooner. Kind of what you mentioned, being uh, more comfortable, being honest about like how I was feeling and what wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm one of those people, kind of classic people pleaser, right? Especially when I was younger. I just, I want to make everybody happy. I don't want to let anybody down. Right, uh, sure. But it gets you into a bad cycle sometimes. And so from that experience, I definitely learned to like, just be honest when there's a problem and you're not feeling good, much better to bring it up now mm-hmm. than wait two sure. years, right? <laughs> um, and, you know, you usually find out the other person has maybe similar feelings or, or they have things unsaid. I, I find being the person who's vulnerable first often helps someone else open up. And then you can have that real discussion right. instead of just kind of, pretending like everything's going great and you know nobody really feels great about it well trusting your gut and realizing if you feel a certain way there's a good chance like other people are feeling the same way and not mm-hmm. talking about it too so it obviously comes down to communication ethan in the chat says yeah it's heart-wrenching when you decide to give up your sunk cost we talk about sunk cost fallacy like we're really pot committed yep. to something and then uh it feels to let go and especially if you've been there five years like the longer you've been doing it the, the more longer, you the feel worse it feels but, right but i mean come on there's some red flags here like you were were you ever were you guys profitable like were you guys ever paying yourselves no. like so there's like I these mean, indicators are not really like, a sustainable business right i mean mm-hmm. the problem was boom and bust right like we were doing Beast these big contracts you know we were doing some contracts for 30k 50k I mean, yeah at that time i was like whoa you know that's a lot of money but then there was the client management aspect we were all engineers one we didn't really have a like project manager type person or like account manager type person uh-huh. um we were more makers right and yeah, nobody man. really wanted to be an account manager i think I to be successful i want to do need, the books somebody's got to do it shut up you, you need do the skill set oh yeah. man the books were a mess that's another lesson mm-hmm. learned there it's like yeah. oh tax season was like a nightmare because we didn't <laughs> track things right oh no all of that it learned to solder kids like got a lot better right because sounds like an episode of big brother meets business like you're just (laughs) everybody's kind of wants to do their own thing and yeah that's crazy i kind of consider that business a a rock department my mba i never went to get an mba but those five years your street smart mba yeah was getting my mba um and trying not to make those mistakes. And I mean, I did learn a ton. I also had a lot of fun. Like, I don't want to say it was like all bad, right? Yeah. Like there was a lot of great times too, but towards the end, it was like, this could have ended sooner. Well, okay. So you touch on so many great parts that relate to our, our thing today. So it's like, I, I think it, you know, the lesson that I'm hearing from that is like one, it, it was, there was not a good definition of what you guys were, or who you wanted to be. You, mm-hmm. you didn't have the goals. Like you weren't honest with yourselves about like, are you even 
sustainable. It sounds like a lot of everybody else was yeah. supporting themselves via something else. So, yeah, you know, a lot and of times are you happy are doing you, this work, right? Because like, that's huge. I mean, maybe yeah. we could have made it work. I mean, like I said, people make consulting and freelancing work. Sure. And that was kind of the model. But even if we were quote unquote successful money wise, right? I think I still would have been unhappy. I just didn't like that doing that kind of work, right? Excellent point. So mm -hmm. there's there's financial sustainability and then there's emotional yeah. sustainability, right? And and both yeah. are yeah. very, very, very important. Um so I'm glad you glad you brought that part up. Um so I, I think it's pretty clear when you don't have financial sustainability, if people are like, I, I'm not making mm -hmm. any money. I, I have to go get a job or whatever. Like it's just, mm -hmm. everybody's financial circumstances can be different. Um, but, but emotional, you know, some people just have more of a propensity for risk tolerance than others and all sorts mm -hmm. of stuff. And uh, I just, I just bl blows my mind, like trying to reconcile five differing opinions on how to like run <laughs> something at a 20% state. I mean, is there a precedent of a company that's even founded that way that's been successful? With I don't that think there's many? a successful one. I'll tell you. Yeah. That. So, like, <laughs> should that be a red flag from the jump? Like, you no, know, I do I, like working with partners still, though. You brought up uh, business yeah. partners and Evergreen Support. I have a 50 okay. 50 partner, right? We're okay. split. And I have a partner too with Learn to Solder Kids. He is not online as much as I do and helps more in the background, but we're also 50 50. Um, so not a I silent really partner, like but like kind of a backseater more, mm. or uh, I don't yeah. know how you would define that. Okay. Okay. And I really like having a partner if you're aligned on goals, right? You got to be sure. aligned on where you're going. And if you're mm -hmm. not, then it's not going to work. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's much easier to do if the idea forms with a business in mind from the jump versus like, yep. Hey, we were having fun with this thing. Oh, we could start a business from it, which is such the yeah. maker syndrome a lot of the time, right? Like Andrew, how many times have we gone to mm -hmm. like a maker fair or a, a, a rep rap festival or something? And you're getting all this great feedback from people like, I would totally buy that. I would totally buy that. And they're like, oh, yep. I should just start a business and I can make, and then I can build robotics that I love and I can mm -hmm. sell it and make a living. And then very quickly, yep. the maker realizes what Emma's talking about. Like, I don't want to do the books. I don't want to do all the things that actually <laughs> require. This sucks the joy out of it because now I have to do yeah. this over and over and over again. And and I'm only just successful enough, maybe barely, to keep going. And, you know, it's yeah. there's, there's it's a, a lot of time. There's right? a lot more a of that of grind than I think that you're yeah. even even when you hit these milestones, you hit the, you get the big PO and all that stuff. Then you grow. We, there was somebody in the chat earlier talking about that. Uh, Alex was talking about he had his epiphany. Where was it? Um, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. About about it, a rocket, right? Startups yeah. are like rockets. Just like a rocket. The, more, the larger, yep. The larger the the startup is, the more fuel it takes to get off the ground. The more energy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So exactly so it. there's there's a sweet spot mm -hmm. then, obviously, where you're getting the maximum you know thrust per weight mm -hmm. distribution mm -hmm. and that is going to be a different calc for every type of business and and person and all that other stuff too so but that's I think, a really good point um, something you said about like the bigger the startup right the harder it is to get off the ground so one of the things with um, learn to solder kits i was like i actually wanted to build a much more complicated product i wanted to do like iot robot something i don't ah. know you know very maker like reflow you know, kits yeah. and like major and pick and place projects I was like, wow, okay 
I don't even know how to fulfill orders. Like, sh- how do people place mm. orders and ship orders? And, you know, there's a whole logistics mm-hmm. side. Gotta walk to before everything. you run, Em. Manufacturing. Yep. And so, Learn to Solder Kits was actually designed as a starter business to kind of teach me that stuff so I could Starter go on business. and build more complicated products. I ended up just building Learn to Solder Kits. I have not gone on to build more complicated products, but. The idea was like, oh, they build it themselves. Like, that's a great product to manufacture, mm-hmm. right? We just put parts in the bags, right? Yeah. Turns out yeah. putting parts in bags is hard and shipping <laughs> thousands of them is also hard. Kidding. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, you yeah. think it wouldn't be that hard. You know, I think you said that Andrew is like, oh, it'll be so easy, right? Oh, we love yeah. to gloss over. Yeah. The, the Somebody details. orders a thousand of them, and you're like, "Oh, this does not seem so easy <laughs> anymore." You really right? don't realize like how much a thousand of something is until you have to sit there and put a thousand of something into a bag and ship them oh, somewhere. Absolutely. Like, oh, we God, had a ton of stuff. We had similar issues. Like when we when we started Gloop, you know, it's like, "Oh, well, it can't be that hard to bottle a bottle of Gloop and then sell <laughs> it to someone and then ship it." Yeah. And you know, here we are. We're doing like three to four thousand bottles a month you know and when you think about it it's like okay how do you do thousands of (laughs) bottles a month like how do you schedule the production lines how do you make for sure that you're not running out of the reagents in order to run you know to actually make those products yeah Yeah. it gets complicated (laughs) and then the more you're shipping them right more chance one gets Mm -hmm. lost in transit or maybe they got a bad part or you know who knows right but you know Mm -hmm. there's you know, 0.01% yeah. failure chance, but as you're shipping thousands, that yeah. starts to yes. come up. Right? It's never just like step one, order products, step two, put products in bags, step three, ship, step four, profit, right? Like that's just, yeah. oh, that's that, yep. that's simple. How hard, it's like, wait a minute, I have to deal with returns now. I have to deal with breakage yep. and, and companies shipping yep. me stuff that wasn't a spec and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, go ahead, so, Andrew. So, you know, it, Emma, you know, hit on an excellent point where she had this idea of, you know, a more complicated product that she wanted to build. And then she said, well, wait, I kind of want to do something smaller. And, you know, that again, that whole idea of MVP is just get enough to test and see and and evaluate. That is uh, the key to sustainability. What is the minimum viable thing that I can do at this moment Mm -hmm. to get my feet wet, to see if this thing can go and then from there, scale it. And it turns out that your, your Learn to Solder kits were incredibly successful. And you were able to keep yeah. growing that and yeah. e- keep it just with that without even having to go on to your bigger yeah. products. And at still all. learning, right? Like I mentioned, I've yeah. been doing it for seven years. I'm still solving problems, still figuring out how to streamline mm-hmm. purchase orders. You know, it's not... Even though it's such a simple kit, there's so much to learn, so much complexity. Bringing on employees, I mean, that was a Mm -hmm. huge learning experience, you know? I mean, there's a lot there for a, you know, quote-unquote simple product. Oh, sure. For sure. Well, we we talk about data gathering all the time. Emma, we've talked about that. Andrew, we've talked about it. So it's like just getting Mm -hmm. that feedback, getting that information and just like understanding where you even are so that you can set the goal so that you can understand what sustainable is. And the advice, I mean, Andrew brought it home so succinctly that, that by 
just start with something that may even seem overly simple because you'll be surprised how not simple that it actually is mm-hmm. yeah. and collect that data and get the experience. It's all about getting experience yeah. under your belt, right? And learning and, yeah. mm-hmm. and you're going to, who I knows think, what ideas um, you'll get from that. One interesting experience I've had a lot with maker businesses too. People come, you know, they, they find me on Twitter and talk to me and they say, Oh, I love your kits. I want to ship my own kits or some variation. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's awesome. Um, and they usually ask for help. Could you help me sell on Shopify? Help me sell on Amazon? Because yeah. those are the things I do. Yeah. And I always mm-hmm. say, sure, no problem. Build 25 of them. Yep. And I will help you make your listing on Amazon. Great. Right. And most people can't get to that 25 spot. Right. So I think that's a good first goal. Ah. Right? Can you produce mm. 25 units of what you want? Doesn't have to be pretty. Doesn't need perfect packaging. Um, you know, learn to solder kits yeah. terrible packaging, but like, can you make 25 shippable units? Surprisingly hard problem, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a great little test. So let me ask you this. When you get asked that, because, uh, you know, that, that that happens, certainly the more you build in public and the more that you share your experience, the more you're going to have people DMing, messaging you, emailing you, asking you for some guidance. My question, first of all, is are you charging for those consulting services or are you doing this out of the, the I do it out of the goodness of my heart. I mean, I, I like mm. to talk to people about businesses. I'm I'm on Twitter a lot, right? Um, so you can always ask me questions there. I mean, sure, if it gets too specific, I'm gonna be like, I can't help you. Uh, mm-hmm. but most people are are um, kind of appreciative of the time that I spend and even once in a while, if I've had a good back and forth, I'll even do a quick coffee chat with people, you know, where I that's how we met. I guess everybody signed up for a coffee chat, but you know, 15, 30 minutes, you know, video call, you know, tell me about your business. I'll tell you what I think and you know, what you should try. Um, Mm. Cause I had a lot of people help me, you know, along the way. Um, We were talking about mentorship, I think before uh, we, we went live and yeah, there are a lot of great people who gave me advice. So I try and pay, know, it, pay forward. it forward. Love it. Mm-hmm. So let's stay on that for a second because that dovetails nicely into my little Twitter chat of uh, and talking <laughs> about support, which I know you have many thoughts mm-hmm. on as well, given that you have a business that runs support. <laughs> um, but, but when I asked you, like, are you charging for your consulting services? So I, I'm with you. I'm also people pleaser. I also generally want to help people. I feel bad when people are asking me for help with stuff and I have to say no. But that is probably one of the big, I don't know if it's failings, but things to learn for a lot of entrepreneurs. Andrew, maybe you can speak to this, like learning to say no becomes more yes. and more important mm-hmm. as you grow because there is just not enough time to help everyone it becomes a disservice at some point to all of those that you are obligated to if you allow yourselves the Mm -hmm. distraction of all the people that need help right we're talking about sustainability right and sustainability sometimes more it is sometimes more about the things and opportunities you say no to rather the opportunities and things you say yes to Um, i'll share I'll, i'll share a really quick one um, uh, two years in, 
uh, we were approached by Granger, and they wanted to start carrying Gloop and reselling it on a, you know their industrial name. site. Yeah, it's a big name, and with it came a massive reseller contract, uh, and you know a lot of terms that we had to hold to. And mm-hmm. I would have loved to have gone through and said, "Yes, let's go. Let's get Granger on board. Let's start selling Gloop through Granger." But the problem was, is at the time, we couldn't man the production lines. We didn't have a bottling line. We didn't have a labeling machine. We were still labeling by hand. We were still doing a lot of processes by hand. We would have never been able to keep up. And there would have been so many other things that we would have fallen behind on. Mm. Now, one Mm -hmm. could say, well, you know, those are good problems to have. You can solve them. But they're still problems. And Mm -hmm. it just wasn't right at the moment and so we said no because it wasn't going to allow us to grow in a way which was sustainable so i think yeah yeah, you're you're exactly right it comes back to not saying yes to some people well and and sometimes it can be not (laughs) no not right now or it can be like i i know that we have a tendency we we don't want to like burn bridges and close doors and stuff like that so there is an Mm -hmm. art to it. And I always say, mm-hmm. like, this is one of the things I love about Joel Telling so much is he's like a master of like saying <laughs> no with a smile and people leaving feeling good about it. Like yes. watching him do that is just amazing to me um, because that like that is not an easy skill. Um, I need to study this person uh, you, to figure out how you to do it. So he's the 3D printing nerd on on uh, on on stuff. And he gets asked questions all the time about, hey, will you be on my show? Yeah. Will you do this? And like he realizes like. I just don't, I don't have time to do all the things that are asked of me, go to all the events, do mm-hmm. all these things. And that gets worse and worse, the bigger you get. That's why I am so humbled that when we get big names like Joel Hacksmith, you know, um, mm-hmm. whomever, Ben Eady, all these people that are just like top tier, like gods in their own little spaces for them to actually give the time you start to mm-hmm. realize like that is your most valuable resource. So the mm-hmm. Twitter, conversation if you will that i was referring to was we offer a product on our store that is an upgrade kit for the the belt printers that we have so it's a 3d printer that prints on like a little treadmill and it's got the advantage mm-hmm. of like basically being able to do infinitely long pieces or just endless production of you know think of the mm-hmm. i love lucy chocolate line just prints one and then it falls off and then prints <laughs> another one and so you just put a bucket at the end of this thing and it's like oh profit right yeah. Um, and so people see the vision of that and they want to do that. And we've invested so much time and hours into formulate refining it. And I'm still working on it. I'm still not like at 100%. There's still some weaknesses, but we've realized that this is a tool that we want to lean into for manufacturing and all this stuff. And so part of my hustle culture has always been like, how can I, uh, uh, use other people, you know, how, how can other people help me fund what I want to do? Right. So we started selling Mm -hmm. a lot of the upgrades that we implemented, but the problem is, is that like, it's kind of a black box and I've intentionally held a lot of like our secret sauce close to the vest because it's, you, you realize pretty quickly when you get to this, like it is not, 3d printing in the sense that a lot of people have where it's like, I can throw any file at this thing and it's going to spit out a good result. Like it requires Mm -hmm. a good amount of customization for your specific application, the way industrial tools often do, but because it is Mm -hmm. made by a hobbyist inexpensive manufacturer, a lot of people look at it just like any other 3d printer where they think I can take whatever model I want. I can slice it. It will come out on the belt. 
And mm-hmm. so while we've had great success for our application, it's because I've spent like hundreds and hundreds of hours refining it to print the very specific things that we want to do. And so mm-hmm. I, I've had to disclaim very heavily, and it's still not enough for a lot of people. This is an advanced kit. You have to put the time into tinkering and stuff. Like we are a small company. Like I cannot run support and I certainly cannot run support for just reality in general, who is not known for running support on their own. Um, Mm -hmm. And yet we still have a lot of unhappy customers that will buy our kit with the expectation they can just slap it on there and it's going to just print money for them. Um, (laughs) And so Emma, that's a long story, a long way with like, as a support company, setting expectations from the jump is so critical in terms of defining like who the target market is. And like, sometimes like I'm not trying to be a kit seller or reseller. This is not our core competency. Like this is important to me because I want to see more people get hands on with this tech um, Mm -hmm. and, 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 and and invest in it. But if it becomes too cumbersome to maintain, I'm just going to stop doing it. It's not, Mm -hmm. it's not like what I want to grow the business on. So question Mm -hmm. is how do you, define for in support cases like a lot of times how do you get down to like is this person even the right customer for this product and and how do you handle all the nuance of that and- uh, i mean it's hard right yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. hard problem right which i think is why a lot of people hire evergreen to to help right Good, so tell um, us about this i Go. think i think one of the most important things i found is people want to feel heard right that is the most yeah. important thing for the customer they want to know they sent their email and somebody read it and is going to respond to them. Even if they get an answer that they maybe quote unquote, don't like, right. Of sorry, that's too much support. I can't, um, you know, do that for you, or you need to pay extra for, you know, a technical support call. Yeah. Um, if you respond quickly, people seem to, to take that better. If you're like, Oh, I don't really want to respond. Now it's like seven days later. They've already sent like two follow-up emails, right? And you're like, oh, I don't want to say no, right? Go away. Yeah. I don't want to say no. The person gets frustrated, right? Because, you know, there's uh, unknown expectations there, right? So one of the things we try to do with Evergreen is make sure that people feel listened to, even if we don't have the answer or maybe it's an answer they don't want to hear, right? Mm-hmm, Getting back mm-hmm. to them quick and politely and saying, hey, we're looking into this. We're so sorry your your shipment hasn't arrived. You know, please give us a few days, right? Set a little expectation. And then, you know, following mm. up, meeting that expectation is key, right? To building trust with your customer. Um, so those yeah. are some things we, we try to do. Quick responses. <laughs> That no, honestly, I've I've found the same thing that goes a long way. Just when like a lot of times there there are people just like they're so frustrated, they just had an experience and they don't expect mm-hmm. anything. They're just angry and they want something to yell at. And so they yeah. Yeah, log onto your chat or your email and they just like lace into you. And I can't tell you how many times I've replied, I'm so sorry you're having this problem. And you go, oh my God, there's a human on the other end of this thing. Oh, like, what, absolutely. What, what, what is happening absolutely. here? Oh, oh, and then the, the tone so changes immediately. Like, I, I'm sorry. I thought yeah. it was just yelling into the ether. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Like, I watched this email and we respond to our support tickets. Um, yeah. So that's, that's it's, it's so sad to me how low the bar for support even 
is in a lot of people's minds yeah. in this day and age. But I think it's it's hard too because I've been on the other side, the business owner side, right? With large solder kits, is you've got so much going on. Okay, we're packing, mm-hmm. we're shipping kits. Okay, I gotta do my marketing thing. Oh, I have a call with the CPA about taxes. I mean, who knows? You know, the to do list is. 25 items long and you're like oh i'll get to that email tonight right you know for sure yep um, and, and then before then you know it you slip rolls yeah. to the next yeah, day yeah, and you're like oh i gotta write a nice response i'm not in the right no, mood right now to the next day yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that you know I, I mean it's a real challenge it's a challenge i have definitely faced right um yeah and evergreen support is kind of the solution i will say it's a lot easier when your only job is responding to the emails right like for these businesses we support yeah that is my goal respond to the emails right get the answers the customer needs make sure they feel heard right because do they give um, you that is key maybe it's different for every customer, but do they give you any degree of decision-making authority or dollar figure you can make concessions on or how, how does that, how do you put guardrails on that? Oh yeah. Great question. It it definitely depends on the customer, the client that we're working with, but most of our clients, we manage some sort of billing return refund process for them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they give us some rules around that. It may be, you can refund up to one month if it's a subscription-based company. Okay. Um, mm. We have a refund policy that's 30 days. So no questions asked, 30 days, you get the refund, right? So we define those policies. Yeah. Now there are situations where somebody says, I want six months refund, you know, on my subscription. And we are not authorized to do that. Yeah. And so then that gets escalated up to the business owner and say, how would you like us to handle this? Uh-huh. Um, they either handle it personally or they may give us a few notes and say, oh, yeah, I this is a one off. Please refund them or, you know, sure. no, please explain to them our refund policy. Huh. That's, uh, you know, honestly, that, that's that got to be a different experience when you're actually like that disconnected. I've, we've talked on the past and Andrew, like we, we, we take it kind of mm-hmm. personally a lot of the time when we have to deal with support on our own because like we're so close to the yep. product and it, we feel like it reflects on our poor design skills if we screwed up on something and all that stuff. And so when you have like that buffer yep. in between where, where I, I don't know, like, like you said, if you can just set some, some guidelines and some, some, um, some guardrails on that whole thing and let somebody else do that like that. I think that can free you up emotionally and mentally in another way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting value to potentially sell your services on. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I think we also help a lot with like that overwhelmed feeling. I know I had this running my business. You log into the inbox. You're like, Oh my God, 50 unread messages. Like, yeah. Where do I start? You know, because you don't have context. You don't know which is important, which isn't important. What's just a thank you. You know, it's just a lot to take on. Yeah. Uh, Ellis and I, we work on keeping the inbox clean, right? So less messages in there. And then even if there is a message, we use uh, like an internal note system on the ticket where we will hopefully give you the context you need. If we can't respond... Um, we can at least do some things that say, hey, I was able to locate this customer's order. Here's the link to the order. I see that, you know, the order was delayed and we didn't ship it out for this reason and can give you all the information so you as the business owner can just make a decision and move on. Okay. Instead of having to go hunt down your Shopify system and, oh, let me 
check the mm-hmm. tracking number and let me mm-hmm. see if they've ordered from us mm-hmm. before and like you know there's a lot to pull together sure well uh we are running a bit long as we always do because we love going in all this stuff so uh apologize <laughs> for that emma but we let's let's try to wrap this up in a nice little bow for our listeners here so we've, we've covered a lot of ground, as we often do, talking about goal setting, sustainability, kind of some personal anecdotes in, in, the, uh, in the realm and, and, and whatnot. And obviously, we love to disclaim, like, we don't have all the solutions. We are still all very much in the process. What works for us Absolutely. may not work for you. Your mileage may vary, all that good stuff. But um, what do you guys feel like we've we've learned and and what do we want to apply in terms of like being sustainable setting some better goals for 2023 how about andrew why don't you start since you've been rather quiet here today sure um you know so i i think i would say uh the biggest thing is is ask yourself what is it that you want out of your business um what is the end goal of the business and then start working backwards from there um, you know, what could be reasonably expected to, you know, the, the, the things that you need to do to get to that end goal and then break it up into smaller milestones. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, understand that even though you're, you know, this is a, you know, a long-term goal, you're going to miss some of those milestones. That's okay. Learn to level set, learn to, you know, readjust. Um, and sometimes, you know, if you have to stop doing something, it's not that, you know, you failed, maybe you can come back to it. It's just, you, you know, now you need to go in a slightly different direction. So I think it all starts with having that conversation of what is the end goal that you want? Mm-hmm. Um, and then working backwards. That's a great point. Emma, what, what would you say? How do you wrap this all up in your mind? Or what what, what do you yeah, want to I mean, do going forward? I love what you said, Andrew, about what, what do you want to get out of your business, right? I think this kind of comes mm-hmm. back to like, people comparing to others, it's okay to not want to run a $10 million yeah. maker mm-hmm. empire, right? Or whatever it is. Um, that's totally fine. If you kind of say, I don't want a huge team of people, right? Or some of the founders I work with want no employees. Yeah. Like that's, it's too much responsibility. It's not what they want to do. So yeah. they work with contractors or other people. Yeah. And I think taking some time to reflect for yourself and your skill sets and what makes you happy is going to allow you to set the best goals, right? Don't just mm-hmm. set a 10,000 MRR or 1 million revenue goal because you saw somebody else do it and mm-hmm. the number sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um, think about if that mm-hmm. will make you happy in the, in the long run. Yeah, you know, we, we say it all the time, but taking the time to step back do some reflection, write down exactly what you're talking about. What, what is it that you want? What makes you happy? What is, mm-hmm. a, and, and you're not always going to get it right. It's a moving target a lot of the time, but that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, um, it, it is, it is a challenge and, but you know, you also have to celebrate. This is why we talk about doing the wins and stuff too. You need to make sure you celebrate the wins and the successes because mm-hmm. that is, is such a neglected part of the storytelling in a lot of people's own mind, right? When you're thinking about like, oh, it's actually not as bad as I thought. You know, we, we were yeah. way more quick to reflect on the bad things that happened to us than the good a lot of the time. Yeah, um, definitely. And so forcing yourself on the exercise of just, you know, realizing like, hey, actually like this was good. This happened well, like yeah. this isn't so bad. Yeah. It, it really the- helps. 
on the note of comparison too, instead of comparing to others, one thing I like to do is compare myself to my old self, right? Like mm-hmm. what would Past 2018 Emma, Emma think yeah. of where I am in 2023, right? Like what would she think? If I could tell her. Yeah. Oh, she would think it was awesome. I mean, the fact that I'm working full-time on my businesses. So I went full-time on my businesses just about a year ago, right? Yeah. And that had been a long-term goal for me and one that I had a lot of doubts about, I really struggled with, what's the right business size? And man, yeah. if I went back in time and told 2018 Emma, like, yeah, we're doing it and it's working, right? I would have been like, whoa. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> you know? a great tip. And so that's a, a really good way to kind of reframe instead of saying, oh, I saw this person on Twitter and their revenue number is bigger than mine. And they only started two years ago and I started seven years yeah. ago. That is not mm-hmm. the context you need. Think about yourself and where you were a Absolutely. year ago, five years ago. That's a fantastic, mm-hmm. and listen, that is a fantastic note to end on, in my opinion. Thank you for for sharing everything that you've done today. We'll have to have you back at some Thanks point because there's just me. so much to fun. talk about. But uh, mm-hmm. thank you for everybody in the chat that joined us today. I hope you guys learned something, enjoyed it. Um, thank you for feeding us questions and comments, as always. And uh, we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Maker That Money. Until then, I am Pooch. I'm Andrew of 3D Gloop. <laughs> and I'm Emma <laughs> and of we, Lord Desaunt Kids. <laughs> and we are signing off. Everybody have a fantastic weekend, uh, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. <laughs> see ya.